This is the Without Losing Your Cool podcast. We have entrepreneurs, climate changers, entertainers, and survivors turned thrivers. You do not want to miss a thing. Oh my God, Gina, (laughs) welcome to Without Losing Your Cool Podcast. I swear to God, I feel like I've been trying to nail you down to come on as a guest in season one. It's just like, you're just doing all the things. It's amazing. Welcome. Uh, Thank you. And I'm here for it and I'm excited about it. I can't, I'm just, I'm here for some great conversation. Good. Well, we're going to have a lot of them because there's so much there. I have so many questions across all the realms of being in a relationship with you because we've been friends for a little while now. Um, So in a nutshell, listeners, this is how I came across Gina. So Cheryl Hickey, who we all would know from ET Canada, was posting about working with this incredible nutritionist, health coach. And I was like, who's this woman? And I checked you out on Instagram and I immediately fell in love with you, like immediately fell in love with you. So I'm going to let you go all the way back because I happen to know that you were 10 when you started your home gym business. I was. And I mean, to some people that might seem slightly obsessive, it was sort of more foreshadowing at the time. And I had this best friend, Nicole Kester, and she wanted to be a doctor. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I don't know where I came up with the idea or the passion for it. We kind of painted my parents' basement, which was like a typical just kind of basement basement. At the time, I remember painting it white and, you know, I was going to teach aerobics and I don't know, I don't know what she was going to do, but we came up with this idea and I think I got $1 from one client, Andrea Payne, I think, or Andrea Payne was, I still remember her name at the time. And I was going to teach these classes. I mean, obviously it didn't really go anywhere, but It wasn't really until, you know, you fast forward years later, my marriage was falling apart. I was wondering, what am I going to do for my life? Like, what am I going to do? You know, what do I want to do? And my mom had brought this, like this box of like a photo, like, you know, for old school photo albums. Yeah. And my mom had brought it up to my house and been like, here, just take this. It's in my basement. Like you want it here, take it. And I went through it and I found a flyer that we had made for the GNFC, the Gina and Nicole Fitness Center. And at the time I was like helping people lose weight. I just kind of shut down my own kind of studio gym I was running. I was kind of in between TV at the time. And I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And then I remember seeing that flyer and been like, wow, like what I've been doing is what I want to do. That's my passion. But I'd always looked at you know, fitness and nutrition and weight loss is like the side gig, you know, like my waitressing job to whatever my career was going to be. And it was really in that moment that I realized I've all, I've always been doing it. So that's where it sort of started. And then from there, I got into personal training and teaching aerobics. When I was 14, I went to the YMCA with a different friend now. And I remember walking by this this doorway and these people were running around in their aerobics gear and hooting and hollering and having fun. And there was this teacher and she was just like, go, go, go. And I was like, what is this? I want to do that. So I signed up for the classes and we just went like, 
14 years old going to aerobics classes at the Y. Like, I, I don't even know what like compelled me, but I thought I want to do this. And then I got into teaching aerobics and then personal training. And then, so that's kind of how it all started. I love that the kids, other kids are doing lemonade stands. They're, they're <laughs> fucking playing with Barbies and Gina and Nicole are like, we are, we've got your health needs covered. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where it comes from. To this day, I still don't even know what drives me. I yeah. just know that I'm driven to do this thing. And uh, I mean, I'm going to build on it as we go. Eventually, my ultimate goal would be just to help women, people in general, just kind of live their best life and follow through and do the things that they want to do. But I honestly don't know where it comes from. But I do remember a couple of months ago, my mom was talking to someone about me. And she's just said, like, Gina's always had a job. Like, I just also like working. Yeah. And it's, it's not actually money driven, which I mean, it's nice to make money, but I think it's just a kind of a doing experiencing kind of, I, I don't, I, I don't know where it comes from, but I've always kind of had jobs. I like to work. And I guess that entrepreneurial spirit, which I never would have thought that I had, if you asked me, right. has kind of always been there. Don't you, I see, I find that fascinating that you say that because, you know, the guests that I love to have on here are people that are living their authentic passions, right? Like they're living mm. that thing that feeds them, that thing that they, that is in the back of their mind from the time that they're little yeah. and they bring it forward. And the reason why I love to focus on having women like you and, and guests who are doing that on the show is because I so want to inspire people to to really step into that. Like you're never too old. The only time it's too late to do something you're passionate about is when you're six feet under, you know what I mean? So I love yeah. that you can acknowledge that you don't know where it came from, but that entre entrepreneurial spirit's always been there. So you had touched on right out the gate about your marriage falling apart. So let's go back and talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about how old were you when you got married? What let's share with the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah. So this is interesting timing because as you know, my ex-husband who I was with for 20 years, known for 30, just recently passed away last week. So I know, I'm so sorry. Kind of like a really kind of, I've been reflecting on a lot of that. Yeah. And funny enough, I was able to actually spend the last days and moments of his life with him, which is, I was thinking about that before I came on and I had said to him, you know, do you have any regrets? So it was his last night, I was, I was spending the night with him kind of just, you know, watching him, taking care of him. And I said to him, do you have any regrets? Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because well, first of all, he just said, no, wow. like just no. And it's also interesting side note that, you know, I thought there'd be so much more to say and talk about. And he was just really at peace with his whole life and, and everything he had done. Meanwhile, while he was alive, I was like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I can't believe you do this. Why do you, uh, you know, and he was just completely at peace. And then, you know, after I asked him that and he said, no, I mean, I don't know how many minutes went by and he said, do you? And then all of a sudden I was hit with this like, oh, like the regrets I have. And, wow. but if you would have asked me before that moment, if I had any regrets, I would have been like, no, nah, man, I'm happy. I'm living my life. I'm doing the things. But when you're really like, when you're like so close to someone who's like at the end of their life mm -hmm. and the honesty that comes from that, I really was like, I do have regrets not doing the things that I wanted to do, you know, listening to other people, caring what other people think, you know, the very typical results. Right. Also the way I've showed up, you know, for him and he's been very sick for the last 10 years. And, you know, I wish I was more 
you know, empathetic. I wish I would have helped a little bit more. I wish there was a lot I would have done. But anyway, I met him probably a few years after university. I was working in the city and working. I had a couple jobs. I was working at the at the gym, teaching classes. I was working on breakfast television back in the day, the morning show with Ann Romer. That's I'm dating myself, but um, and working at a bar at night. Didn't really know a lot of people in the city, just moved to Toronto. And so, you know, working was my way of being social. So I'd met him at a bar quite young, probably 20, 21. We met, I mean, looking back, we probably should never have lasted as long as we have, but I'm like one of those make it work kind of people. Yeah. And so I was kind of into working and I think I was also into like projects. And now I realize that's kind of my personality it was kind of like a project. Like, so I really helped him a lot. Like I fixed things for him. I did things for him. And I spent basically 20 years of my life living for him and doing what he wanted to do and really not what I wanted to do. And I got really lost in that. And uh, about 20 years in, he got sick. He had like some weird virus, had organ failure, barely made it. Fast forward a few years, ended up on dialysis and and his personality really changed, I'm sure, as it does for anyone who's kind of, you know, yeah. you know, can see the end and, and has been through that. And so we kind of realized that we weren't really great together, but over the years had four children. So, you know, that was a lot kind of really to navigate. And so I I you know, I could say a lot about our relationship, but I also I learned a lot. You know, your 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 putt with someone that you're going to learn a lot about yourself with. Totally. And through my relationship with him, I just learned so much. So, uh, no regrets on my 20 years spent with him, you know, no re and not just because we have kids. You know, everyone says that, okay, I have kids, yeah. no regrets. But really no regrets. I I he really put things in my face for me to really to challenge me and to work through. And even on his deathbed, he's just like, yeah, like, you know, you're so successful and you know, I'm so proud of you and yet, you know, I I know I'm part of that. Like he 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 knew that the challenges that we'd been through were what I needed to go through to get to where I am now, because I got a lot on my plate. I'm doing a lot and you need thick skin. You need to be resilient. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that in a nutshell is my relationship with him. Also worked very closely with him. We had a business where we worked together and, you right. know, so it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. So I want to go back and because I don't know if I said it clearly, or if you were, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm the kind of person when I see people share difficult, painful things on Instagram, I, I like to reach out. And I just, I'm so thankful that you're showing up here that you, you know, you didn't cancel that we're able to have this conversation and to still go through it. And, and, and I feel sort of blessed because I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to get a side of Gina that I maybe wouldn't have gotten, you know, had you not just gone through this. And Something that yeah. I, I want to say, because you and I have had conversations in the past about your relationship with your ex-husband, two things have stood out to me in what you shared. One, the fact that he was able to leave this human plane without regret is yeah. something I feel as spirits having a human experience all should strive for. I, I really yeah. think that's the ultimate, like that's, I think what we're here to do more than anything is we're here to live. We're here to hurt. We're here to be hurt. We're here to grow. We're here to stumble. We're here to stand back up. And ultimately when it's all said and done, I believe that that is the moment, like at, at the end to be able to freely let go of this human experience without regret is yeah. the ultimate goal. So 
I love two things about that time that you had with him. One, because you're newly married to your your new love, Tony, who's an incredible guy. Congratulations on that too. But you. the fact, like, I just, I just respect so much human beings, and in this case, Tony, being so loving, so secure in his relationship with you that he was he was able to allow you that space. Like he was able to remove himself and allow you that time with your ex-husband yeah. to heal all that stuff, to, to clear all the past, you know, so that he could go peacefully. And so that you could now be reflective in the way that you are like, holy shit, if you'd asked me, I wouldn't have thought I had any regrets. Like what a beautiful gift that he's given to you too now that you can, yeah. right? It was, you know, a, yeah, I could go on about how amazing Tony is. We literally just got married like a month ago and then I turned 50 and then it was my son's birthday. And then with my ex, he literally went from like, he was in the hospital for something else to you have cancer, you have months to the next day, you have days. And I was at the Janet Jackson concert uh, with my friend and Lester had called, that's my ex's name. Lester had called me and it was weird because he, I've been speaking to him previously and his voice was like, you know, he was like, you could tell he was kind of out of it and kind of not really there and he called me and he was so energetic and he was like hi like I want to see the kids and I want to whatever and I was just like okay and I remember saying to my friend Sonia he's like and she said he sounds normal and I said yeah he sounds he sounds normal and that really concerned me because you know that like energy that people get, you know, in their final days. And I was like, so like, do I go to the concert? What do I do? And he's like, I want to see my kids. And I said, well, I'm planning on bringing them down tomorrow. And he's like, okay. And then I hung up the phone. I immediately called him back. And I was like, something told me you need to bring these kids down today. And I said, do you want me to bring them down now? And he's like, I said, I'm not here, but Tony can do it. And he's like, yes. He's like, I need to, whatever you can do. So of course I called Tony and Tony's like, yeah, no worries. I'll bring them down. Like you might as well just go to your concert. Like they're just going to hang out with their dad. Right. Well, that night their dad had found out that he only had a few months to live. So Tony brought them down and they had to see their dad, have that conversation. And of course, like me not knowing this drove them back home. And so just like the capacity for him to even be able to do that. But while I was in the hospital and I, I'm first of all, so like spending, it's so it's such an honor to spend the last moments of someone's life for them. And I literally camped out overnight for, for two nights, you know, overnight. So it was just him and me, which is just kind of, I'm still trying to process that experience and, you know, having been his ex and the family was really great about it, but there were moments where, and the kids were there and I'm there and, you know, I'm stroking my ex's, you know, hair and kissing him and just loving this, human being who was like this whole person and Tony was right there and the kids were there. And I remember thinking, wow, like, I wonder what Tony is kind of thinking of all of this, like to see me kind of like care so much for this person. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a really beautiful moment where Tony was in the room which would have been incredibly awkward for him, I would imagine. And so like, he just, you know, for him to be there and he was going to leave and said, you know, hey, Lester, like, hi. And, and Lester saw him walk by and she's like, Tony. And of course, Tony came over and, and shook his hand. Lester reached out his hand. He was barely communicating at this point. And he touched his hand and he said, you're the dad now. 
And he said, like, take care of the kids for me. And of course, you know, I was like a puddle and a mess, but they just the wherewithal for the both of those two men for Lester on his end and Tony on his to, it was just such a really beautiful moment that I can imagine a lot of people would let their history get in the way. And I think they're just missing out on that. Like in the end, it nothing mattered to Lester, like nothing mattered. His things didn't matter. Like he, he had all these people who were calling him and people meeting him. And then he just got to a point was just like, I, I'm just so ready to go. And I really was like, wow, like it just stuff and things and none of that mattered at the end of the day. And do you know what? what? I would have, I would have criticized the way my ex lived. He kind of had this kind of selfish attitude and, you know, I really in the moment would have criticized him that now I reflect back mm -hmm. was like, I think a big reason why he didn't have a lot of regrets. He just was like, I'm going to do for me and I'm going to do the best I can. And, you know, and when I was saying to him and crying and telling him all my regrets, he said to me, you know, did you do your best? And I said, yes, I did my best in the moment. And then he said, then you did it perfectly, you know? Wow. So it was just a, it was a big moment for our whole family, including Tony. It was very big of him. It was very big of the family to let me be there. I think it was probably best for the, the best thing for the kids too, for me well, to be I there and for and, me. To yeah. And I love that, right? Because really what we need to do as human beings more often is look outside of ourselves and look outside of yeah. what we feel and what anger we may have and, and what resentment or obstacles that we have blocking us from having a relationship with someone else and expanding that view to take in everybody yeah. that is going to be impacted. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, at the end of the day, you're not together anymore, but you're always bound together because he's the father of your children, yeah. right? And for them to have denied you comforting him in his final days, which I'm sure he thought was beautiful. He didn't get to, he didn't have to go alone. And you are the mother of his children. I, I think that, I mean, I'm just so happy that you had that time. I know your kids will always hold that dear and it is big of his family. And, you know, people listening right now, like if there's ever a time to let your shit go is like yeah. when, when people are at the end of the, everybody should be around if they're able to rally around somebody who's saying goodbye. You know, I, I, I had yeah. a similar situation with my dad a little while back where I hadn't seen him in years because he has dementia. And, you know, I, I, I know that the man standing in front of me might not know who I am. So, you know, I had all the excuses in the world and a lot of it was just self-preservation because I was afraid to see him in that state. You know what I mean? And yeah. it got to the point where I was like, you know what, I need to, I need to know he, as he is, which is not himself anymore, is okay. Like I, I, I need to see him for my, for myself. And within that moment of going to see him in Windsor, his wife and daughter came to the home because there was a bit of a power struggle over his power of attorney of care. And we were able to reconcile that day. Yeah. So not only did I put my own mind at ease about how, where my father's at. But I think the reconciliation with his wife and daughter was even more significant, you know? So I just, I, I, I love that you had that opportunity. And I think that, you know, it's, it's the best of a worst case scenario when you lose somebody, you know, too young or too soon. And, and I, and, and I'm, I'm yeah. so what a beautiful way to have had that happen. I do want to be honest in sharing that, you know, I was mad at him 
and at moments hated him. And it wasn't one of those things where we had this beautiful ongoing co-parenting thing. I, I think that's really important to say because before he, he'd actually gone into the hospital while I was away. He was always in the hospital because, yeah. you know, he was had this, he was on dialysis and he was sick for like 10 years. And so we always went in the hospital and he always came out and, you know, he, he God, he would come by and say things and do things that would piss me off. And then I, I was just like, why am I letting this person mm -hmm. affect me? And so I want to be really honest about that. And, you know, I remember when I came back, I'd been in the hospital, my kids wanted to see him and I just kind of walked through the door. I'm like, okay, let me just, it's about the kids, you know, but now I think back and I'm like, thank God I made that decision. And then we sat there with the kids as like a, just a normal family for like three hours. And what a gift in hindsight, looking back to that. But, you know, it's, we should be like this all the time you know, why we're waiting till people are on their in their final yeah. moments before, you know, that's the thing that's so sad about it. that's the thing I, I always say people die all the time, we have this aha moment of like, oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And then it fades. And then we just get back into our funk or into our stress or into our thing. And, you know, yeah. we continue to have, you know, relationships with people where we're pissed off and angry. And I don't know, man, I think this time I'm just going to really like every day do what I can to kind of just keep that with me. And I remember that story with your dad. I remember you were you shared that, you know, your history with him and that moment. I like that was I remember that moment. That was a really in order for you to do that. I remember thinking, wow, this must be so hard because reconciling with parents is very difficult, as I'm sure, you know, exes are too. But yeah, yeah. But to your point of what you're sharing right now, it. it it's it's really a gift to be able to get to that point though isn't it where you can yeah. you can take the anger you can take the disappointment you can take all the issues and i am fortunate that i did get to heal all that stuff with my father before dementia completely yeah. took him away you know and yeah i know i know about your your difficult relationship with your ex and and and, and you know i'm giving tony credit for being you know, bigging up and stuff like that, but you too. And I appreciate your vulnerability and, and sharing this with everybody who's listening right now, because the thing is, it's like, we can sit so much in the anger and sit so much yeah. in the justification to being so angry and hurt and, and wanting to wash our hands clean of certain relationships. But the reality is, is yeah. that when they're gone, you're left with that, right? Like I have brothers who didn't reconcile with my father who didn't have those difficult conversations, who, who didn't say, you know, you were a fucking asshole. Your alcoholism did this X, Y, and Z and left me in this state. Like they didn't have those difficult, ugly conversations. And now they can't, yeah. like the time has passed. And I feel as a human being, the gift that you, the person who receiving that gift when you can get to that point yeah. is you. Yeah. It's the, that's the gift that, that absolutely is the gift. When we were having that moment, I said to him, you know, what am I good? Cause you know, he was always really good for, for, because he was so empathetic yeah. and he was all an understanding. I think of other people's situations because of his own. And that's one thing he was really good at. He always offered some great advice. And I said to him, what am I going to do without your advice? For example, my relationship with my sister is a little bit rocky and, you know, I have some past friendships and in the moment of him dying, I knew people would be reaching out. I knew my sister would reach out after, you know, just, I'm not sure I wanted her to. Right. And, you know, and, and friends that would reach out that I've kind of moved past from and would rather just move forward from. And he said to me, well, what did they ever really do to you? 
you know, like really, like he's just like, you know, just show them love, you know, show them empathy, show them understanding. You don't have to like start hanging out with them again or, you know, like be super close, but you got to show them love. And then he's like, that's, that's for you. I mean, this is a man again on his deathbed yeah. died like a day later, you know? And I was like, that stuck with me. But I, I was like, I was like, really? Like, Ugh. these people had done me wrong. Like, I just want to be mad. I want to sit in that anger. And then, you know, and then I let it go. And my sister came to the funeral and sent me some night messages. And it's like this thing has lifted. And those friends had reached out and I just said, thank you. And it is, it's a gift for me, you know, and and for and for you with your dad. We, we think we're doing it for other people or, you know, whatever. And it ends up being for us. And I mean, I've heard people say that before, but to really experience it is a whole other thing. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, which is kind of an, and I feel it is an interesting segue into the great work that you do because, you know, mm. yeah, you're a health coach. Yeah. You've been on TV. Yeah. You've had TV shows, but really, and I've worked with you. So I know firsthand what you really are doing is you're helping people receive the gift of prioritizing themselves. And yeah. I think that's amazing because it is too late when it's the end. Do you know what I mean? And I love yeah. the work that you're doing for so many and not just women. Like you have incredible lengthy list of men who you're helping give the gift of health to. So yeah, share with us a little bit about that work and, and what drives you to be so invested. Cause it is, I will tell you because I did, I, I've worked with you. I don't know how you do it because there were days I would have to, I would text you and be like, I fucking hate this. This is so hard. So yeah, you're getting those beautiful stories of victory, you know, of people taking charge of their health again and eating in a way that is for, for, you know, cellular wellness. And when you eat like that, you ultimately have physical wellness. So like, how do you, how do you prepare yourself to be such a healer and to receive both the positive and negative of people on these journeys to loving themselves so completely? Oh my goodness. Wow. What a, what a question. Because I don't really see myself like that. Like I'm still, people will send me emails and say nice things all the time. And it's just kind of part of my every day. And even when Tony first got together, he's like, people tell you how amazing you are every day, how you, you help people every day. And I guess this is why he quit his job at Amazon now. And then like runs the business behind the business because he's such a believer. And I, and it's not me though. I always say it's not me. I'm, I'm helping give give people the tools and sometimes the permission to do things for themselves. And I always say my, my program is like a lesson in self-love, you know, like yeah. I, you know, through my 20 years with Lester, we kind of hooked up with this kind of energy guy who was into energy and Reiki and, you know, kind of oneness and all of that, like grounding yourself and, you know, harmonizing your day. And, you know, like he did get into Reiki and I'm a Reiki master in terms of, you know, that kind of that art, but I don't put people on a table and do it. And, and at the time when I was learning, I was personal training or with clients. And so I would connect up with them and, 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 and give thoughts to how people are feeling. And so through working with him, I really learned to trust the messages that I was receiving. Like, why is this bothering me? Like, if you say something to me and it bothers me, it's not about you. There's something for me to learn in that. You know, if I, if I keep saying something over and over and over again, there's, there's a message in that for me. If something keeps happening to me over and over again and I'm not changing what I'm doing, then, 
you know? And so I was able to kind of really like on an ongoing basis, work through my own shit. I was learning yeah. how to be aware of what was going on, what I was dealing with and, and work through it and get to the other side of that. And so I realized a few years ago with my program, I was teaching people the same thing. It wasn't about the food, what you're eating and when, like you're, you're going to lose weight, eat this exercise, whatever, you're going to lose the weight. It was more about people showing up for themselves. And that was as a mom, I carried a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt. In fact, when I was in that 20 year relationship, I didn't prioritize myself. I prioritized everyone else ahead of myself. And that's I one of the reasons. Talk about that because looking at you here and if you go to Gina's Instagram and you see her and she's fit and she's thin and she's like, oh, she's never had a problem with her weight. No. <laughs> yeah. Talk about Yeah, that. no. So after university, I, I did gain quite a bit of weight. My my weight, I figure was up, upwards around 250 pounds plus. So, and, and I was teaching a row, I was in university and I was gaining the weight. Now I realize high stress, lack of sleep, long periods of time without eating, overtraining, all of those things, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm turning 50. So words like insulin, metabolism, you know, how stress was affecting you, diet, you know, all of that, that wasn't a conversation. Right. And so I sort of, you know, I'm just sort of digressing from your original question, but what I realized is what, what I was taught um, and using to help other people lose weight wasn't working for me. And then, so I went to my doctor and I was like, you know, what's going on? Why, why I'm, I'm not, there must be something wrong with me. I can't lose weight. He's like, well, you're, you need to, you're eating too much. And I'm like, no, cause I was hardly eating anything like coffee in the morning, like more, like a lot of women going all day long, not eating, you know, when I did eat a salad or something like that. And then he's like, well, maybe you need to exercise more. And I'm like, well, I'm teaching two to three classes, hardcore ropes classes a day, whatever. And then he's like, maybe you're big boned. And I'm just like big boned, like what? And then, and then fast forward to when I actually met my ex, he was a chef, like he was, he'd gone to George Brown and chef and so we could cook. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, like what's going on, what do I need to do? And so I started dating, you know, when you start dating, you, you go out for dinner and you eat more and you drink more. And, and what was happening to me is the more I ate, the more I drank, the more weight I lost. And this weight just kept kind of coming off. And I was like, what? What is going on here? So I think within like the year I'd lost like 80 pounds or something like that. I can't remember the numbers wow. are muddled. I'm getting older, but I lost a significant amount of weight. And then I kept trying to figure out why. So then I went down this rabbit hole of like, you know, toxins added to foods, food additives, how your body processes and digests your food, you know, your blood sugars, which no one was talking insulin back in the day. No one was talking hormones. No one's talking cortisol. No one's talking like, you know, I didn't even have Google back then. I had like the library you know? And so, and so, and then to also taking little, yeah, that's how old I am. A good old microfiche. And I remember kind of watching Oprah too over the years and I'd been around diet diets cause that's the, the industry that I was in. And yeah. so I took little bits and pieces of things that I learned and knew like Atkins, you know, for example, why is it working if people are going high fat, high protein? Is it the fat is the protein? And why do you have to have chicken wings? Why can't you have healthy fats? Like that can't be good for your body. Like, so, so I've taken bits and pieces of things that I knew worked and more importantly, what didn't work and put it together and then somehow come up with my own program that I've been offering now forever. But yeah, people look at me and they're like, what's this skinny, you know, bitch going to tell me about weight loss. In fact, I get a lot of hate mail of like, Oh, you just think you're the same, you're some suburban housewife who thinks she's the savior for fat people. You know, I'm just like, what? No. <laughs> like first off, so I do know. First off, I've been doing this since I was 10. So I've been doing this for four <laughs> decades. Step off. But secondly, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like 
if it's not for you, move along. You know what I mean? And it's like, why not take five minutes and dive into like, just scroll through somebody's content, just Google you. And within five minutes, you'd find out that this is your area of expertise. It's not you because you've lived it and you've done it and you've done it and you kept the weight off. So this is another thing I want to talk to you about because I'm 54. I do want to talk about weight gain in your 50s, menopausal weight, perimenopausal weight, insulin, cortisol, hormones, all of that. Have you found, because you've been doing this for so long and you've got such a wide range of clients age-wise, have you found that you've had to change any parts of your program for women like me who now it's like, no matter what we do, it just keeps coming on, 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 on. Yeah. So that's probably our, 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 our main demographic, I believe is 45 to 55, then 55 to 65 and then 35 to 45. So that, that, you know, it's that typical, you know, what about hormones done all the diets, you know, eating less exercise, more can't seem to, to lose weight. So because the program is such a holistic approach, it's not just like giving your body what it needs nutrient wise, drinking water. It's also conversations about trying to maximize. So what, what I mean by that is get better sleep manage your stress. If you do have health issues, if you have hormone issues, go seek an endocrinologist, like seek out help. Don't be trying to fix it on your own. You know what? And and I really believe all the things that you are doing, your mindset, you know, like working through your issues and associations, habits, past traumas, it's all part of that, you know? And so I find with this kind of quick fix dieting type of mentality is that women who are dealing with hormones are not putting enough time in to see the results that they want to see. They want to see that quick fix. They, it, as you get older, as you know, it gets harder. Yeah. How much less can you eat and how much more can you exercise and you can't lose weight? So, so I love that holistic approach. And I think that really helps the day in, day out consistency of doing the things that you can to address your issues. Stress, stress, man, stress wasn't even really much of a conversation until the pandemic in my in my groups, as you know, I have big kind of online groups. Yeah. And then once the pandemic hit, it was interesting because everyone had the had the time, but people didn't have the capacity because like their stress levels were through the roof and whatever. And that, and that's become more and more an issue, I think, of the way we live our lives and lifestyle. I think we totally underestimate stress. I think women take on the whole world too much. I think we're more stressed than than we realize and give ourselves credit for. And I think because a lot of us have a history of dieting, that's really and starving and depriving and neglecting ourselves. By the time you do hit that age that your hormones are changing, we're just a hot mess. So it feels like we're getting smacked with all this, but it's been like that slow kind of decline of our own health and wellness that it's just added to this perfect storm. And so I can say, so last spring I had some health issues I was in the hospital, some, you know, some health issues and it ended up like with my stomach and I couldn't eat a lot of things. And I kind of built that up. And then I had one of my kids went through just a really hard time mentally, mental health wise. And it just was, it was just, I can't even tell you, it was just awful and very stressful. And so normally I take the summers off and I wasn't able to, cause I was dealing with an epic amount of stress because mental health with children is just a whole, it? I don't it's, even know. It's, I don't know how we get through it because, you know, if they fall down and cut themselves or break a bone or what. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you can help heal that. I know we've had different times with our three girls too. So I'm sorry that you went through that. It's so painful as a mom, isn't it? This is why I have so much mad respect for you. And I actually want to talk to you because, you know, you, with, you know, your experience as a mom and your kids are at that older age, you know, mine are kind of coming up there. Right. That's why I just have mad love for you and what you're doing. So, 
so then I started a new group in the fall and I'm like that. I can do everything. I got this. I'm fine. I'm fine. Attitude. And then October, I dealt with more stress. And then in October, I went away to kind of just do this thing for work. And I came back and I could just feel the stress. And I started to get this kind of thicker midsection thing happening. I started to get this heartburn happening. This like kind of just, I was tired. Mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, I was all the things. And then I was, and people kept saying, oh, it's hormones. I'm like, and I'm not saying it wasn't because I'm turning 50. So I now come to realization it's hormones. It's also, it's stress. It's the things that I'm not doing, like getting better sleep. It's the things I am doing, like drinking a bottle of wine to help myself manage because, you know, I don't do this or I don't do that. So I might as well drink wine. Right. It's the coffee. And it just, I tried to get a handle on that. And then, cause I wanted to go into, I was getting married and I wanted to go into my fifties, which is just turned in May. And so this started in October and I wanted to get a handle on it, feel my best for my 50th birthday. Well, I did not because it takes a lot longer to kind of get a handle on things, then you realize. And so I'm still now working through trying to feel good after all of that. So stress really plays a role. Hormones plays a role. And I think women need to know that you can definitely do a lot about it, but it's going to take a lot longer than you think. And it's going to be a lot more work. And you're going to have to do some things that you don't want to do in order to deal with it. That's my take on it. So I just want to say, I, I love everything you just said in there. There was so much gold in it. The thing that I find as a woman who's notoriously guilty of doing too much, you know, and thinking I can do yeah. just that one more thing and it's not going to break me. It's like you're saying all these things. And and I think for me as a human being, and I don't know for my listeners, that's the, that's the real issue at hand for us is like the, the lack of willingness to continue pushing through, right? Because we're so used to when we're young, weight comes off, muscle develops, you know, it's easier, you know, you, you, you spend a month of good sleep and you catch up and then you're like, oh, I can go back at it hard, you know? But as we get older, those things become more difficult to do. And, and I know the kind of person I am because I'm so busy. My quick thing is like, oh, fuck it. I don't have the time to keep pushing through to really get to that point of, really great health, really good sleep and, and really eliminating stress from my life. So for women like me, if I were working with you one-on-one, like, what would you say to me if I came at you with all those things? Like, oh, Gina, I just, I just, you know, I've got the marina and I've got my girls who need me and I've got my, I've got three companies and I've got 20 staff and, you know, I need some me time. And my, my, my issue is I take my me time at like, 10 o'clock at night. And then if I'm alone, if I'm alone, I shamefully can admit I will stay up sometimes till 2am reading or watching garbage television. And then I'm fucked the next day. Because that's, that may be me time, but that's not recovery and healing time. That's the difference. You know, watching TV, you're, you're stimulating, reading a book, you're stimulating. So you're not being creative. You're not, that's not really, that's like you time that you're doing those things, but that's not really healing time for your mind or your body. And that's a big difference. I think that if you have goals where there is a will, there's a way, but and you have to be really honest about the things that you need to do about that. I actually was inspired by you today because as you know, we, you know, I, I wanted to come 
come and see you and do, you know, yeah. do the podcast with you there with you. But, and, and normally I would have made that work, but because it was an excuse about my kids and my kids are home today and they're just, they're touch and go with what's, you know, with how they feel about their dad being That's gone. Right. I wanted to be close to them. And I said to you, like, I'd like to reschedule. And you said to me, well, like I said, I only had the 14th and I'm booked. And, you know, so it's, so I'm, I'm booked. If that was me, I would have been like trying to like try to find time and get someone in. And I was like, oh man, she's like, just, she's like, that's it. That's my time. And that's my time. And I'm good, you know? And, and I, I was actually really inspired by that and thinking I need to be more like that. Like I have the time that I've allocated. That's the time, whatever happens, if it doesn't happen, then that's I, it. You know, I, I love that um, you're inspired by it because you know, here as women and, and, and the season or open opener of, of, of season three for me, the very, I opened the season with as women, we need to stop fucking apologizing, right? Because we do it. We apologize for our boundaries. We apologize for our reasons why. And, and it, and because I'm so empathetic to what you're going through and what your kids are going through, but I also love you and I want you on the season so badly, you know, and I, and I, and I did say to you, like, if it doesn't work, ultimately let's just push to season four. But I, you know, I've been working really hard on that. So thank you for recognizing that because I find that, you know, I, in the past, I would bend myself and push myself outside my own capabilities and my own, you know, emotional mental bandwidth and try to shoehorn something in, in order to make the other person's life easier. And you know, I was, I was content either way. I was like, okay, ultimately, obviously I want Gina on because one, because of what you're going through in the moment, which I think so many people, you know, it's, it's interesting this season, I'm talking to a lot of people on on the podcast and there's this similar vein of conversation of loss. Like so many people are losing people they love or are about to lose people. Like one of my really great girlfriends is, you know, she's been given a year to five years to live herself. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a really interesting thing. And, and selfishly, there was a part of me that wanted to have this very real conversation because not only are you, you know, struggling, yes, you were divorced and he wasn't your, your partner, but like I said earlier, you're always going to be connected as, you know, parents to your children. Yeah. So there is still loss, even though, you know, there's not that same level of intimate relationship. And I find that in these times, this is when, as people, we let go. Like a lot of people listening right now, when we lose somebody, when we're caring for somebody, the first thing we do is we let go of caring for ourselves. So yeah. how, 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 not only do you need to take care of yourself because it's your business, <laughs> but you know, you have four children who you also need to take care of. And you're taking care of a dying yeah. partner and you're taking care and nurturing and making sure your current partner doesn't feel like, how, what the hell? How did you do all that? How are you doing all this? <laughs> For real. It is, when you say it out loud, stop saying it out loud. Stop talking about it. I think I, you know, I spend a lot of my time with my ex in denial. I think, you know, the four people are like, how did you, how was your relationship not great yet? You end up with four kids. Like that's a lot. And I think I was just really in denial and just kind of, just kind of just problem solved and just kept going and kept doing it. And now I'm doing it a little differently. I think it's a lot about how you internalize what's going on. You know, like I, I, a lot of people are like, oh, you're still going live, 
you're still going live and, you know, and you're still working, you're still doing the things is because I think that first of all, everyone dies. And the message that we receive when someone does pass away is we need to make the most of our own lives. And, you know, life just doesn't stop. I, I remember with my daughter the other day, she was like having a hard time that people were just going on with their life. And I remember in the past, my aunt, who I normally have a photo of her here, had passed away. And I remember my neighbor was cutting the lawn. And I remember thinking, just you're fucking cutting your lawn. Like, don't you know someone died? Like, yeah. how do you just like cutting your lawn? I was just so like that sense of just life goes on. And I don't know if it's age or what it is, but you just, you have to, and if you have goals, especially you have to do what you need to do. And I think resiliency is like patience and resiliency are two things that people are really lacking today. You yeah. know, it's just like showing up and doing the things that you, the hard things that you need to do. And that's one of the things my ex did really well. He was sick for a very long time. He lived on dialysis without dialysis three times a week. He wow. wouldn't live longer than a week, but he kept working. He kept doing, he kept living, you know? And so I find strength in that. I find when my aunt, like I just said, passed away of cancer, I think a mesh, I think he got sick shortly after so 10 years ago yeah. I remember thinking and I keep that photo and I, I brought it to my wedding that's why it's not there yeah. this photo of her because she doesn't get to be stressed anymore she doesn't get to, you know, have to deal with her children having, you know, mental health crisis. She doesn't get to deal with work stuff. Like she didn't get to do any of that. Right. And so I keep the photo there to remind me that I get to be stressed. I, I get to have these moments. I get to make choices. I get to, you know, so I kind of like, I really carry that forward rather than I have to, I need to, you know, I, I get to. Right. And I think a lot of it is how you internalize stress and, and also recognize that I love what I do and talk about not make apologies for it. It's my happy place. Mm -hmm. So people will be like, well, you need to take care of yourself. I am taking care of myself by doing this today. I wanted to do this with you. And I was really struggling with, do I leave my kids yeah. and stress and what if they need me? And I love the compromise of, you know, being able to do it remotely. But this was something I really wanted to do because I was looking forward to have that conversation so that, you know, sometimes prioritizing myself is, is not Sometimes making yourself happy is not easy for other people. Right. That's not what other people would do. But for me, focusing on other things, like I think you can be sad and mad and struggle and still do the things that you need to do. That's sort of my, it's like weight loss. You're trying yeah. to lose weight. There's no good time. Life is going to smack you in the face. You just have to keep going. You're going to get there. Just a matter of, you know. Yeah. And you so know, what? I don't, I don't know. I love that analogy because it's, it's like weight loss is not going to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would be fit and healthy and well. Right. So it's really about how, how uncomfortable are you willing to be in order to get to the end result that you're after. And that, that applies to our relationships, you know, our, you know, so many people are so quick to throw in the towel because it's hard. Well, I've got news for you. Everywhere yeah. you go, there you are. Your next relationship is going to be difficult if you're not willing to work. You know, if you're not yeah. willing to look at your own part in a breakdown of any relationship, whether it be intimate, with a coworker, with friends, you know, we all we all have to be willing to take stock of ourselves. And I think that weight loss is one of those things where it's it seems like it's just such an easy place to have excuses. There's such a good list of why I can't. And something I wanted to ask you about, because I'd love to know your your train of thought on this. What do you think about the, is it Ozempic? The craze, everybody's mm. thinking that 
the 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 in the diabetes. Yeah, Ozempic. The Ozempic. What? Yeah. So what's really interesting. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're drugs that suppress your appetite, essentially, right? And so interestingly enough, a few weeks ago, I was just, we were actually invited to present at the Canadian Obesity Summit, which is really huge for us, because we are really trying to prove that our program is different, it's healthy, it's sustainable, it's, it's, you know, accessible to people. So we did a little e-presentation there on all of our data and our results. And we, I actually sat in quite a few talks that were all about Ozempic, and some algutide, and, and there's there's a lot of new weight loss drugs coming down the pipeline. And my stance on this is actually changed a little bit because I've worked with people in the past who, I mean, we've always had people who were taking Ozempic to treat diabetes during the program. And so now it's just a higher dose is kind of the weight loss dose. And so I've, I've dealt with people who had bariatric surgery before. And the issue with that is that they don't learn anything. They don't, they're not in tune to their body's needs. They don't know what their body's needs. They're not in tune to their portions. They haven't worked through issues and associations with food, how they use food for coping, how they tie food to past traumas. Like they didn't do any of that work. So right. yes, they lose the weight and they lose it quite quickly. And then they're mentally like just having a really hard time with sustaining it because they didn't do the work to achieve it. And I'm not trying to like, you know, disrespect anyone that way, right. but I come to realize that my program is a great complement to anyone who's had bariatric surgery. And now I've realized my program is a great compliment to anyone taking Ozempic or any of these medications that sort of, I don't, you know, decreasing your appetite is not great, great, because you want right. your body to tell you when to eat, what to eat, how much to eat. You want to be in tune. So you don't want to like stop the connection. You want to be in tune with when you eat and then in tune with how much you need to eat. And that's one of the things I teach people in the program. So now my stance is if you want to take Ozempic, which there are side effects and losing weight that quickly is just not good for your skin either. Like you don't don't want to really lose weight that quickly because your skin can't regenerate around it. So not only with your face, with your body. So, eh, and you also have to take Ozempic for the rest of your life. But if you are going to take Ozempic, then you need to also be in tune with your body's needs. You need to work through your issues and your, your associations to food and your way you cope and your habits and your beliefs and all of those things, because the studies show that the minute you stop taking Ozempic, the weight comes right back. Like that's, that's no different than any other quick fix. And this is like, this is doctors and researchers who are presenting this and they're like, okay, Ozempic can be great. However, we are still showing that people, as soon as they stop taking it, gain it, gain it all back and actually at a much quicker rate. And that's, people don't want to see that. But. Well, and the other thing that would cause me concern in that, when that happens, then you actually put, and, and obviously I'm not educated in this the way you are, so maybe this is more of a question. When that happens, are you then putting yourself potentially at risk to developing a type 2 diabetes situation if you're like putting your body through that shock of like extreme weight gain so quickly after? Like, I, I mean, I just, for me, you know, because I I had an eating disorder when I was younger, I was bulimic and you know, I took hydroxy cut, cut when you probably shouldn't have been taking hydroxy yeah. cut, you know what I mean? And of course, yeah. portion control and all the things, a lifetime of dieting as a dancer and an actress, right? So, and then body dysmorphia takes over and it's something you live with forever. And so, you know, even when I was thin, I was like, I wasn't thin enough. And then back into the cycle, yeah. of portion control, calorie counting, you know, going without. And, you know, and I know that right now here as I sit, you know, 
yes, it's stress, lack of sleep, but it's also all that damage that I did for all those years. And so I have to be patient and I have to love my body more now and give it time to recover because I'm not doing that shit anymore. You know what I mean? Without losing your cool, we've got your gift giving needs covered, whether it's a holiday gift, if it's a support gift, if it's a little extra love that somebody in your life needs gift, or a parent who needs a little more guidance, advice, and the knowing that they are not alone out there in their parenting journey, we have got you covered. If you know somebody who is deepening their relationship to self, grab them the self-love bundle. It includes the Loving Yourself Without Losing Your Cool book, Loving Yourself journal that accompanies the book, and Love Notes for Adults. If you have somebody in your life who's expecting or has a little from zero to 10, then the Raising Kids Bundle is the perfect gift set for them. It comes with the Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool and Love Notes for Littles. If you have a parent in your inner circle who is heading into tween and teendom, boy, have we got the gift set for you. Parenting your teens without losing your cool comes with love notes for tweens or teens. You get to choose. All of this is available for you at ChantelBisson.com. If you're shopping ChantelBisson.com for the very first time, don't forget to add yourself to the newsletter to claim your shopping discount code. Go now. You know, what's so interesting is we have this maintenance group. So because I'm all about it's all about sustainability. That's what makes us different. I want you to maintain your weight. I want you to, I don't want you to keep giving me your money. I want you to lose your weight, and move on for the rest of your life. That's my goal. And then I have a plan to do another group and focus on helping people level up their life even more. So I want you to lose your weight, get to that place. But the conversations that we're having in maintenance are really fascinating because it's not, you think that you just lose your weight and you're done, but you're not. No. You got to get to a place where you're calm around food, physically, but more so mentally. And, you know, we have women who reach their goals and then they're like, why am I not happy? Why am I, why am I thinking I need to lose more? Like, I feel amazing. Why do I feel like, because I don't maybe weigh like, you know, 125 and I'm at like 130 that I'm, it's not good enough or the feelings of, you know, gaining gaining it back or falling into old habits and the diet when they talk about the diet industry doing so much damage I don't think people really truly understand the damage that is done and you know for someone who's been you know dieting since they're 12 years old and now they're 40 50 60 plus now that's a lot of baggage that's a lot that you've got a a lot of trauma that you've got to work through not only the the losing but the times you gain it all back and then you lost again you gain it all back so then when you finally do it even though you do it in a different way in a healthy way you don't believe that it's real and so then a lot of self-sabotage comes up like it's just it's so much more work Look at me. I'm not really selling this, am I? But it's so much more work than people realize to actually lose your weight in a healthy, sustainable way. It's it's hard, man. And it's going to take longer than you want. You can absolutely do it because there's zero science to say that you can't do it. Right. But it's an ongoing process. And then you got to deal with life, life like the same freaking time. So, yeah. you know, and then we're hard on ourselves because we haven't lost 20 pounds in a month. Right. But you know what? See, I you know, disagree with that statement that you're not selling it. I think what and what I loved about you when I met you all those years ago, what I loved about working with you, what I love about even what I carry forward, even though we're not actually we're, like I hear your voice in my head all the time, every day, because it's such a positive way that you're teaching women, men to be around food. And I, I disagree that you're not selling it. What I what I think people need to hear from what you're saying 
is that we've been lied to for so long that it is easy, that there are shortcuts, that if you don't do it, you're, you're the failure. No, the fucking things that they've been telling you our whole lives, they're the failure. You're not the failure. If you are willing to be patient, if you're willing to love your body, treat it with gratitude, honor it, thank it for the service that it's done when you've abused it. And if you're willing to just commit every day for the rest of your life, today I'm going to eat in a way that nourishes me on a cellular level, that nourishes me on a spiritual level because food is celebratory. But we've been taught to treat food yeah. like the enemy. And it's the exact opposite. Like there's reasons why every time they're trying to sell a product, it's usually around a dinner table or it's at a restaurant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because really food is our life force and we need to yeah. remove the stigma around food being bad. Yes. Yeah. That, that. That, that's that's. The thing is, is that that's what makes weight loss so complicated. And this is where you have to kind of differentiate between your wants and your needs and kind of work through. And it's a process because we do use food to show love, to celebrate, to bond over. Like we use it for so many things and you're not going to, you're not going to stop doing that. So then this is where you need to have that really good relationship with food, you know, and that understanding of what you actually need over what your body wants. And that, that's what makes it difficult because you're not just going to stop using food especially if you enjoy food if you're i know you're a foodie you love to eat like i'm me i love food you know so that's not going to go away and if you like making food or baking or any of those things and it brings you joy there's no reason why food can't bring you joy but here's the difference if i eat something that i think is going to bring me joy and then i as soon as i'm done eating it oh my god why did i eat that oh my gosh i'm so fat i'm horrible i'm awful and then the next day i wake up i get on the scale and i'm a failure and i'm this and i'm that and whatever that didn't really bring me joy do you know what i mean and so you got to get to a place where you can eat that and being like i'm gonna eat this and then hashtag that was worth it do you know like that's that's what that's the that's what people need to learn to get through that's why losing weight can be difficult is because the way that we do use food and you do want to you're not going to stop using food the way that you use food right and the guilt and shame associated to food which where did that come from right? Like where did that even come from? And I have a question for you because I know you also have men in your program. Do men come to you with the same unhealthy relationship to food? And is their motivation to weight loss the same as women? That's a, yeah. I I can tell you that men, that's one thing that really surprised me is I would sit down, especially when I used to meet clients 101 and these big men, successful men running these multi-million dollar companies would sit down and be like, Oh, if I could just lose the weight, my wife would love me again. And I wouldn't be so disgusting. And I would be this and I would be that. And, you know, so men want it and think about it just as much as women. They don't vocalize it. I think as much, I think that a lot of men, and I know I'm generalizing here, you know, maybe have women in their lives that are constantly dieting and talking about dieting because we talk about it freely and you know used to be kind of a cool thing and you know we we talk about it and to your point you're right if you've been trying to lose weight for 20 years you're just persistent af You, you you didn't fail anything you know those diets failed you at the end of the day and i think men a lot of them perceive that in order to lose weight they have to eat carrot sticks or not eat or any of those things and you know it is a little different for them i i I can say that men are more like just tell me what to do and i'm going to do it yeah. Right. So, like that. so, and maybe a little less like, 
you know, if, if you do this, your body will respond like that. Like Tony did the program and just did the things that he needed to do. Like that, I find that a lot of men tend to be like that. Mm -hmm. And for them also, you do, it is different. Their bodies are not inclined to store fat like ours. So, right. you know, when you get men have that big belly and they call it a beer belly, it's, it's generally not beer at all. It's long periods of time without eating, high stress, lack of sleep. And when they do eat, they may eat a nice meal, but they overeat it. And so with men, all they have to do is drink a little extra water, add in a few snacks, and they seem to lose weight so easily, you know, some easier than others. And not to say that there aren't, you know, differences there and health issues that people deal with. But it is a little different for men. I think their mentality about it is they don't bring forth the issues and associations that women tend to bring forth. And, you know, because we're, we're diet experts, men don't pretend to be diet experts, but well, women do for some reason. We well, think we know, so we should know. Because we're taught that we should be diet experts. But I, what I want to jump in and say with men, and, I, and, and I'm thinking that men also don't have their esteem attached to their weight in the same way that women have been taught to. Yeah. Mm. Right? yeah. So yeah. when they change yeah. their lifestyle for health, it's not like, well, if I don't lose the weight, I'm not going to be CEO. Whereas women, it's like, oh, maybe I'll be CEO if, you know, I can wear power suits or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of women, they want to lose weight. And then when they lose weight, they're going to quit their job. They're going to go for that job. They're going to travel. They're going to date. They're going to this. They're going to that. They're going to all these yeah. things. And I think men don't, they're just like, I'm going to lose the weight. Yeah. And, and you're right. I don't know. It's a, it's a gender gap. It's that difference between you know, what we're able to do and what we're taught we're able to do or whatever, that, that definitely is a thing. They don't, it's not, it's not going to be life-changing for men in a way that women perceive it's going to be life-changing for, for them. Right. And back to your point, and this is something so important for everybody listening is like, you can lose the weight, but if you don't heal your shit, yeah. being the weight that you always thought was going to be the magic bullet to your healing is not it. Like, you and you touched it's not on it. That. Yeah, that's I mean, that's really profound. And I think I think I know there's some great people out there who, you know, your body positivity people and stuff. I think I think what's her name? The birds papaya. I think she's great. She's fabulous. Yeah. Sarah Landry, I think her name is. And she talks about how she lost the weight. But then she realized that was going to be her happy place. And a lot of people talk about that. And then they get there. And you know, no quick fix diet is going to get you there. You have right. to do the mental work. You have to work through the issues, the associations, the, you know, the traumas, the habits, the coping, you know, especially someone like, I think everybody, most women have experienced some form of disordered eating if they are starving, depriving, yeah. neglecting themselves in order to change their bodies, you know? And so I think we really, there's a lot of baggage that we really carry. And also just because culturally with the diet industry, it used to be cool to diet and a thing to diet. And we've just kind of owned it. And then, you know, with how women are presented and the lack of, you know, representation with real women and real bodies, like as if it's like 2023 and companies are just doing this now, like it's just, it's insane how far behind we are and all of that, you know? So there's a lot of baggage that we carry. Everyone's I'm carrying, we carry, women carry everybody's bag. <laughs> we carry all the bags. It's true. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody's bag. So now this is something I want to, I want to ask you too, because, and you, you, you brought it up and I'm glad you did. Cause I had wanted to ask you this and I would have forgotten going back to birds papaya. And I know Tracy Moore is really talking about perimenopause and weight gain and loving our body as it becomes fuller. And, you know, we're no longer 
killing ourselves, pu- punishing ourselves. Have you have you experienced any backlash as an expert in nutritional health uh, to people who are stepping into that? This is just my body. This is just what I weigh. This is just how I look. Have you experienced any sort of backlash in still standing in the importance of you know weight loss for you know cellular health, yes. physical health? Yeah. And so, yes, I have. It's not so, it's gotten a lot better in the last few years, but when the, when the body positivity movement came, I got a lot of backlash. People would just be, I can't believe you're promoting weight loss. And mm-hmm. I get it though. Like diets don't work, right? There's right. people are like, just eat less, exercise more. It doesn't work. We know the number, the mental number that toll it takes on people's mental health. And so we got to this place where diets don't work and then you love yourself. Well, there is sort of this space in between where you can, you can lose weight in a healthy way. It's just that most people haven't done it because it takes longer than they want. It's a lot more work than they want. And so I always knew what I was presenting. I, I, when I first designed the program, I was like, it's a lifestyle program. And people are like, but I want to lose weight. I'm like, you will. It's like the si- weight loss is a side effect of focusing on yourself and prioritizing yourself. And no one wanted to buy it. So I specifically got into weight loss. And so I love the body positivity movement. What I don't like is that it's tied to the size of people's bodies. Like, what if I have a face, like a facial scar or a disfigured then to me, that's body positivity that I am loving myself and I can't change that. So I can't, there are people out there who can't change how they look. They can't lose the weight, gain the weight, whatever. And so I I have issue that the body positivity movement ties it into weight loss so much. I wish it wasn't. So that's step one, although I do understand why. The other thing that I do have to say in my stance on this is, is you can love yourself and still want to lose weight. You can love yourself right the way you are and still want to make change. And I think that's sort of the wrong message that the, you know, they're, 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 they're saying, yeah, love yourself, but they're not also saying, but you know, you can love yourself and still want to make changes and improvements in your life. Right. Yeah. So that's the issue. And then the third third issue I have with it is if you are waking up every day and you are feeling tired and uncomfortable in your body and you have that voice inside your said that's saying, hey, can you drink more water? Can you move a little bit more? Can you eat a little better? Can you eat a, some salad? Can you just do better? Squashing that and just pushing it deep down inside is completely disconnecting with yourself. And that's not loving yourself is Mm -hmm. ignoring that internal voice that's saying, Hey, we could do better. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but you know, to each his own, and I'm not saying that you can't be healthy. Like I was super healthy and, you know, fit, I should say fit at 250 pounds. Now I don't know the toll of that, but, but, you know, also when I say that I also was going all day long without eating, high stress, lack of sleep, you know, living off of coffee, all those things. I don't know how healthy and sustainable that would have been if I'm getting real with myself. So I'm not saying you can't be healthy at a larger size, but I just think when it comes to body positivity movement, they're kind of off on a a few things. So I did receive a lot of backlash because people don't know what my program's about. They just think I'm selling a diet and I'm not trying to not be a diet. Call it what you want. Right. I help people lose weight. So yeah, I, I did. I not so much now. I think because now people, I have my community and people right. kind of know, and people come to me. It's because we don't do a lot of advertising, so it's because they know someone who's done it. But yeah, there was a there was a time where I was really cat and net. I don't know if you know you know cat and net. Yeah. I 
they're kind of this mom duo team and they're past clients of mine and and they've been trying to lose weight for a while and they were kind of hooked up with Weight Watchers. And I remember, you know, when she said, I'm going to try to lose weight, she got a lot of backlash because people... We're saying, well, how can you, you're not relatable anymore. And you keep talking about accepting yourself and how come you want to lose weight? And it's funny enough, when I worked with her, I had said to her, you know, cause you know, I was working with her and one of the things I said to her, are you having a hard time because you've kind of, you've connected with people as sort of this bigger, funny girl. And she did. It wasn't who she was, but it's who she became. And it's who people know. So she identified with this woman who was constantly struggling with her weight, when in reality, she spent most of her life without a weight issue. So it's it's tough. And so, yeah, so I don't, yeah. So what was the question again? No, I love it. You, <laughs> you completely and entirely answered it because for me, I feel like I I wish as women, I wish we would just allow people to be on whatever side of the fence they want to be on, where they really experience peace, joy, and contentment. So if somebody is in a bigger body and truly is healthy, and when they wake up, their joints don't hurt, and you know they their, their body is functioning, they're having multiple bowel movements a day, you know what I mean? They're getting their water, they can walk up you know, multiple flights of stairs without being winded. I'm all for that be who you are and love who you are, but then don't shame people who don't want to be living in that kind of body. And I just wish that we could just, I feel like the world would be such a better place if we could all just let people be who they are, you know, live and let live. If it doesn't work for you, if it doesn't ignite joy or passion or move along, just move along. So I'm sorry that you went through that because I know you and I know your program and it's not weight loss. Yes. Ultimately you will lose weight, but really you, you deal with so much more, more. And I could talk to you for five hours. I could totally pull a Joe Rogan here and we could go for two more hours, but I, I I want to give people who are listening right now who, you know, times are tough right now. Inflation's crazy money is wild. The world is a crazy wild place. And your first off, your program is so economical. I can't even stand it. I love that. I love that you do that because there are so many people out there like it's $1,800 just have a zoom call with me. And you're like, you know what? Step off. So first off, anybody who is in a, a place where you want to do more for your body, on a cellular level and you want to develop a healthy relationship with food and you want to have a a champion in your corner, Gina's the person I will go to my grave feeling that way. And you and I tried to get a TV show up off the ground and shit, we might still do it. But for people who are listening right now, what are some just like changes they can make, you know, after they hit stop on this podcast, after they stop listening, that they can start implementing right away today that will cost them no money. For better health. Yeah. Well, first of all, if finances are an issue, we do this all the time. Reach out to us. Let us know your situation, and we're happy to put you in the program for free. Like we 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 do that all the time. So uh, so that's that's a that's an invitation if you are struggling financially. I would build on what you would said. Like if you find yourself judging other people and putting your energy outside of yourself, 
you got to put it inside of yourself. And, you know, you really have to be honest and real with your situation. Like maybe your, your finances are tight. And so then you can't add in a bunch of supplements and do all these things, but you can, you know, practice good sleep hygiene. You can get into a good sleep routine. You may not be able to go join a fancy gym, but you can, you can go for a walk. You might not be able to, you know, afford the most fanciest water filter, which I don't have one and just drink, you know, we're blessed to have, you know, good old fashioned tap water. You can drink more water. There's lots of things that you can do. Make, make, you don't have to like make big, huge sweeping changes. I think that's the most important thing that I've really come to learn is like the small things that you can do can make a big difference. So if you have a goal in your life, you know, write down the things that are going to help you reach that goal and the things that you can do each day and try to do as many of those things as possible. And you'll, your mind will be blown how quickly you can that will add up weight loss specific drink more water most people just aren't drinking enough water at the end of the day try to get in some more leafy greens. Mm -hmm. I mean, not have to make fancy salads and eat just salads all the time. Right. Try to get in some more vegetables. You don't have to eat the rainbow, eat the ones you like, you know, but that doesn't mean you can't still have the chips and you can't have the wine and you can't do the things and, and try to move a little bit more. And then just every day trying to build on that and build on that and build on that. It's amazing what you can do just, you know, with a little bit of effort, but being consistent about it. I love that. I love all that because it's so I mean, those are all excuseless. Like those, nobody can make an excuse as to why they can't implement those things. And and that again is what I loved about my when I worked with you. You know, I, I just felt like it was so tangible. And one thing I will add to that is that I had a girlfriend tell me many, many, many years ago: shop the outside of the grocery store. If you shop the outside of the grocery store, you will only ever get whole foods because all the shit is in the middle. All the processed foods, they're all in the middle because the outside of the grocery store is where the, the coolers are, where everything that is living has to be refrigerated in order for it to still stay good. You know what I mean? And that was something that I yes. realized was that if you live in the outside of the grocery store, the outside perimeter of a grocery store, you'll have a better chance. And, you know, how do you feel? And, and then I got to let you go because I have so many questions. But how do you feel about protein? Because I know there's this huge backlash against protein. And but, you know, I've been following so many doctors now who are like, stop, you need the protein. Pro we need a protein. How do you feel about protein? You need to make sure you're getting enough carbohydrates, energy foods. You have to make sure you're getting enough fats, which are, you know, also energy foods, great for brain health, cellular function. You got to make sure you're getting enough protein. What you don't need to do is count and weigh and measure anything at the end of the day. That's so outside of yourself. So, I mean, if you're craving a steak, eat a steak, try to get a good mix of protein. De they, research has shown that starting your day higher in protein is beneficial, especially if you're getting up there in age and dealing with hormones, as opposed to having a bagel or a muffin or whatever. So, you know, there, there is some science to back up that you want to make sure you're getting enough. Pro so protein and fat feed into your satiety hormones, make you feel more satisfied longer, right? So there's right. a benefit in that. Plus, you know, if you're working out, you're more active, you might, you know, add a little bit more protein for muscle. But, but no one really needs protein shakes or to be thinking like, you know, super high protein. Just make sure you're incorporating protein in your meals, incorporating protein at breakfast, incorporating it at lunch incorporating at dinner you want to have some vegetables maybe have like a little yeah I don't know um piece of cheese or some sort of dip with it you know like it, it, this thing where we had to count and weigh and measure like we're the only species on the planet that doesn't know what the heck we need to eat so overrated for sure 
Yeah. Overrated for sure. And then also it doesn't have to be meat protein, not meat protein, plant protein. It can be a mix. Like this, this needs yeah. to be extreme, just plants, just meat, like try to minimize your red meats, you know, try to bump up your fish and try to get in some plant protein, you know, or, you know, whatever kind of fits your needs. But yeah, definitely overrated for sure. So what I'm hearing you say in this whole chat that we're having is balance. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and figure out what works for you. People always say there's no one diet that fits all. Yes, there is. It's called the human diet. But people have special needs. Maybe you have health issues that you're dealing with or, you know, dietary restrictions or food sensitivities or allergies. But this is or you have to figure out. Some people love cooking and spending a lot of time preparing meals. I don't. So I'm kind of like quick, easy, on the go, right? You have to figure out how to make the human diet work for your individual needs at the end of the day. And yes, it's all about balance. I love that. So where can people find you? And you also have a book. Is that something that if somebody who is not, you know, you know, there it is. Where can they find that? Where can they find you? How can they reach out? Tell us all the things. So I only, I only run three programs a year. And so, you know, my next program is coming up in the fall. I run one in the winter and one in the spring and they sell out every time. So if you're unable to get in a program, you have to wait to the next, but I do have a book. So I'm working on my main, big main book, but I do have books that I sell that go with each program that you can pick up. We've had a lot of people who are unable to get into the Facebook support groups where you also have an app. We have an app that goes along that people can just track and just use the app at this point, which is really cool as well but they, they they buy the books and then I have all this resources over on my podcast yeah. we have all the con like I don't I don't hold anything back I give it all away so if you're savvy you can figure out you know what we're doing pick up the book listen to the podcast follow me on social media everything's at Gina Livy and I just kind of I give away free tips people all, always told me what are you doing you're giving it away for free <laughs> I'm like yeah well so far it's serving me pretty well at this point right. I'm happy to give it away but at the end of the day I want people to lose their weight in a healthy, sustainable way and move on with their lives. So <laughs> it's all out there. Failing that, reach out to my website, GinaLivy.com. And I have a great customer service team that will help you out and help advise you. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for pushing through. And I know you're going through a difficult time and so are your kids right now. And I'm really, really grateful that you took the time because like I said, I've been trying to get you on for years. So this is beautiful. I love you. I love you so much. And Thank you. And give your kids my love too right now. I will. And please come on my podcast because I have so many questions that I want to ask you. I'm not, I'm not used, I'm not used to being in the hot seat. So please let's, you know, I know we're friends and we haven't had an opportunity to get together too much, but I would, I love that. Thank you for, I really needed this conversation today. And so I'm just really grateful that we were able to connect. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. I'm so grateful you joined in on this conversation. Subscribe where you're listening, leave a comment, connect with us on social media for more and all the links, you can find them in the show notes. We will see you at the next one.